Welcome to the Jungle Brothers Podcast. It's me, Joey. Paul's in the house. What's up? And we've got our good buddy, Kieran Lefebvre. How you doing, man? Yo, what's going on, guys? Good to have you, bro. Yeah, thank you. Guys, um, before we rip in, well, today we're talking about eating, and we're talking about eating for muscle gain, uh, eating for weight loss, and also eating for performance. Kieran's going to be breaking that down for us. Before we rip into it, uh, just wanted to let you guys know, we got the JB Games coming up. I can't tell you the date for that. 19th. 19th, I of- believe. June? Next month. What's that? Holy June? shit, yeah, June. Um, that's the day. It's like the Jungle Brothers Olympics. Uh, soon to be the Jungle Botany Olympics. True. Um, but that is happening. So it's, it's, it's a members thing. So if you're in the tribe, know that you will need to be performing on that day and you need to come for beers afterwards. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's probably the second most important event on the tribe calendar behind the Christmas party, would you say? They're equal. They're very different things. They're the two pillars that hold up the whole gym. They, yeah, they, don't worry about the training. It's true. They <laughs> this, are this really. They take the limelight, but you absolutely cannot miss it. That or the Christmas party. Um, Christmas party is fairly infamous, uh, just from the social media. You saw some pics exposure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Christmas party, man. I mean, usually we keep that shit locked down. We don't want anyone to see what goes on in there. Understandable. But this time we're like. <laughs> The world needs to know what we're doing this year, the Burning Man theme, Bushdorf. Yeah, it's, it's pretty legit. And it was like raining out there, misty, people in costume. Like it was, yeah, it was something special. Agreed. I, I just look out the window and pause. The question is what the <laughs> fuck are you, got, you guys going to do this year to make that even better? Well, T, T says we do the same thing again, but we combine the two gyms. That's a good call. T will have about three members. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sick. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And guys, thank you for listening. It's good to have you here. Um, Kieran. Yo. I gonna, I'm going to do a little intro about you and then you can do a proper intro. Sounds good. I know Kieran from Jiu-Jitsu. You signed up at Alliance where I train. Um, shout out to Ads, our coach. Hey. You signed up there, I don't know, like a year ago? Yeah, in October. So just shy of a year. So I think I'm in eight months now. Okay, cool. Quick math. Um, and, uh, well, whatever we'll train together. And then we started doing a bit of work together because you, you, you also have a, a business. Um, we do videography and yeah, video editing. Yeah. Grand on productions. Ground on productions. Piece. Yeah. Okay. Sick. And so you've been helping us out with some stuff here at jungle botany, but then also for bulletproof for BJJ, which I do with JT. Um, and that's been awesome. You've been helping us with some like producing really cool stuff there. Um, but Behind all of that, you've been a nutrition coach the whole time. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 absolutely. That- so I was just explaining to Paulie just before we uh, you know, hit the record button, but I started my journey, I suppose, in the whole fitness and nutrition world as many people do as an online PT. So about four years ago, I started that endeavor. Um, and that sort of stemmed from you know, a background in uh, amateur bodybuilding, which I'm more than happy to, to get into, particularly with the topics that we're going to get into. It will be uh, pretty relevant. All the fucked up stories. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. All, the, all the messed up stuff that can happen to you in that space. Um, but so I got into, you know, being an online PT and that, you know, and through that I started looking into nutrition and I suppose leveraging off my background in amateur bodybuilding nutrition is like 80 to 90 percent of the work and uh, so that's where my real passion sort of was and so I pivoted um, probably about two years ago into almost exclusively just coaching nutrition so yeah yeah I'm a man of many talents I suppose (laughs) and you are you know I guess um, 
it was remarked when you were here, you were shooting some video at our recent coaches intensive. Mm. And uh, I think when you left the room, one of the guys said to me, Jesus, man, even your videographers are jacked. <laughs> and I was like, he's a thick dude. <laughs> and I, you know, very lean. You, you stay in good shape. You still obviously like training is a huge thing for you. And you still adhere to some very strict, not strict, but tight guidelines when it comes to your own nutrition. Yeah, I um, I mean, you you only need to ask my girlfriend about this, but I'm very robotic. I I tend to be stuck in my ways in in so far as once I pick a nutrition plan, I formulate my nutrition plan, and then I'll stick to it for about three or four months until it stops working for me, and then and then pick another one, I suppose, and and write my own nutrition plans like that. But yeah, I do I do maintain a lot of I suppose habits that I formed in the, the early days of, of bodybuilding. But then I've, I've taken those to a more, I suppose, sustainable place. So I'm happy with, with, with where I'm at. But what I try and do is, you know, in part that sustainability is a big part of my coaching now. In the early days of coaching, I was a little bit more, um, I suppose, rigid. and Just give like, hey, here's the nutrition plan, stick to it and you'll get results. results. If you don't, then, you know, can't help you. But now I, I take a more sustainability approach and like, hey, these are the guidelines. But if, if you're having trouble with a certain element, let's let's talk about that and let's see what we can do. So, yeah, yeah. that's probably better because I would imagine that a lot of people struggle with it, right? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Nutrition. Nutrition is the hardest part mm. in, in my experience of, of someone's, you know, weight loss journey it can be something that would, it's kind of like a catalyst for, for weight loss journey. If you get it right, it can really expedite your, your progress. But if you get it really wrong, it can pretty much grind it to a halt. And um, so finding a, finding a way to not only, you know, tick the boxes, so to speak, and to get the right, you know, macros and calories and nutrients, but also the, I suppose the elephant in the room would be to make it sustainable because a nutrition plan is, is, is all well and good, but nutrition in here, it's, Nutrition adherence is just as important as the nutrition plan itself. Yeah, we say that in the gym a lot that mm. like, and for personal training, it's a bit of a mantra. It's like, it doesn't matter how well written your program is. If the person that you've written it for doesn't show up and do the training, then the program's shit. Like it, it, it doesn't achieve anything. Yeah, you're going to make it fun. So it's, it's, it's almost better accepting mm. um, perhaps compromising on certain things within the program in order to get full adherence, 100%. which means they get the best result. Nutrition is is exactly the same. Because if you can, I mean, I've, I've preached this one to you before, Joey, but if you can get your nutrition adherence around 80, 90%, you're doing a really good job. Right. And that's going to get your results. Um, now, when you, when it comes to, you know, the upper end, the upper echelon of athletic performance, a little bit of a different story, but, you know, obviously this isn't pitched at at that. Um, you're, you're working with a different ball game there. But when it comes to everyday, you know, uh, athletes, someone that, you know, takes their training seriously or, or has a particular goal in mind, 80 to 90% adherence is if we can get you there, you're going to do well. Uh, what does your client base look like at the moment? Uh, people looking for uh, weight loss or sports yeah. performance or what's yeah, the kind Paul, of spread? Paulie, I'm, my client base has been always been really quite diverse. I suppose though, uh, in saying that, over 60% or, or around 60% of my clients are looking more toward uh, weight loss, specifically fat loss. Um, but I have, I am working with uh, a couple of, uh, I suppose, amateur bodybuilder sort of aspiring in that direction. I'm working with some more people geared toward you know, athletic performance in the jiu-jitsu space. Um, but yeah, so- You're looking at me, is that me? 
You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of yes. I'm on a plan. Are you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've been following a nutrition plan from Kieran for a couple months. Yeah, it's been about two months. Two I think, months, yeah. In the lead up to, cool. to the comp. Yep. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm on weight. I had to drop, um, I needed to drop like, f- I didn't need to drop five kilos, but I wanted to drop five kilos to be comfortably on weight for the competition, which is this Sunday. So I hit that, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Just been coasting. So I've just been kind of cruising at around 85. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel good. And how was the, the, the cut over the last few months? Man, pretty fine. Pretty the, fine. Just yeah, it's pretty fine. It was really just it, it, the really the only thing. And you know, I mean, to, for folks out there, um, like uh, Joey used to eat burgers every night on Fridays, every night, guys. <laughs> like that's thick, every stickies on Fridays, bags of ice cream. And, you know, bags of ice cream. <laughs> 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 Mixing up a couple of things there, eh? <laughs> you get some by the these bag, little, load. these little bad boys. Um, no, I. I mean, I know what to eat, right? And I yeah, and I yeah, don't. Yeah. You know, I tell people what to eat. Yeah. Often, I suggest what they could eat. Mm. Um, but I was like, oh, it's going to be handy just to have someone write a thing out for me because I'm more likely to follow it. Yeah. So that was the whole idea of getting Kieran to write me a plan. Psychological thing. Yeah. Mm. Like I pay for it. Mm. I ask him to do it. He gives it to me. I'm like, this thing has value. Mm. This plan, which is, you know, a few pages that mm. are printed out. Um, but yeah, it's been really good. The main, the main things for me were being prepared uh, because typically I, if I'm not super prepared, it's okay. Like I know where I can get decent food at the cafe or where I can, like that sort of thing. But the plan kind of made it like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to work if you're eating at the cafe most days. Mm. Or like, you know, most lunch times. So I was like, all right, I gotta have that stuff already planned. Um and then the other part of it was fasting in the mornings, which was actually not an issue at all, but was just a thing. I'm like, this is different to what I'd normally do. So I, w- I wasn't eating breakfast, I was waiting till about, you know, lunchtime, two o'clock kind of thing. How'd you find your energy levels fasting? Fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Some days if I'd had a big training day the day before, like uh the day after training evening jujitsu. I noticed I was a bit like, I felt a bit depleted in the morning. Mm. It was probably a combination of things though, right? It's like feeling a bit beaten up from training, didn't really, never really sleep as much as I'd like to. Mm. Um, and then not being able to eat was like, fuck, I really want to eat. Yeah. But it's probably more just, I'm tired. Yeah, 100%. But I got to say like anytime I've, like it was fine that time. And anytime I have fasted in the past, I feel good. I train just as well. My intensity is just the same. I sympathize with you. I, I know what it feels like to just want to eat, you know? Paul is the guy that perpetually wants to eat. No, it's changing. I'm getting older and it's changing. But it's funny because yesterday um, we have a lot of meetings. I come in on Thursdays a little later, have the kids in the morning. And then I do some floor work. I'm doing some PT. And then we have like these double meetings. And yesterday, this is, you know, it happens every now and then. I don't eat in the morning. So then I don't actually get to eat till two. Uh, and they say like, oh, when you're fast fasting. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mind doing that at all. And I'm just having a bit of a laugh. But um, <laughs> I, everything was in the way of that meal. And and I had it on my mind. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm kind of a little sharper and I'm more efficient. I was also kind of like rushing things. I was like, get out of my way. Let's get to lunch. Food. Let's get to lunch, guys. Let's get this done. Yeah. All right. Can we be more efficient with this meeting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Forced um, efficiency. Forced efficiency. It really is. Uh, it's kind of nice not ha- when you when you decide to come in and fast in the mornings because that time you'd spend eating breakfast, you get back to do what you need to do, work or sleep or whatever, whatever the fuck you want to do. 
Yeah. What's the common benefits of, of that? It's They say it's for a lot of people, you have a, a clearer, less cloudy mind in the morning. Yeah, a lot of people do experience that as like, you know, a um, flow on effect, like a symptom, if you will, of fasting is, is being a bit, bit sharper. I've, I personally experience it. I, I do intermittent fasting, uh, 16 hours approximate uh, intermittent fasting. I'm not as rigid as I, I used to be with it, but around about 16 hours and an eight hour feeding window. And uh, what I find- Daily? Yeah, yeah, every day. yeah, pretty much every day. So yeah. you don't do breakfast on the weekend with the missus? No, no, only on occasion when she, you know, puts it puts it in my calendar. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, normally I'm eating at around about twelve o'clock. But the reason that we geared toward that, we in Joey's case, where well, I recommended the intermittent fasting and why I recommend it to certain clients is because it helps with caloric restriction. If you're eating less calories and you're used to eating, you know, three square meals, uh, when you're eating three square meals spread out over, you know, a 12 to 14 hour period, you're going to get hungry. And that's when, you know, the nutrition plan gets more difficult because it's a psychological thing. You're, you're constantly hungry. But if you elect to go with intermittent fasting and you aren't eating until about 12, then you only really need to be worried, if you will, about or thinking about food for that eight hour block. So, you know, all of a sudden your 2,200 calories feels like a lot more because it's compressed. And, I, and it was, I can 100%, yeah, like confirm that I, I was like, man, I've got to get through a lot of food today. Mm. Like I've just eaten lunch and it's like a couple hours later, I've got to have this thing of yogurt and fruit mm. and fuck. And then it's like snack and then it's dinner. Yeah. Because you are compressing what is, a sm- yeah, it's a moderate amount of food, right? It's, no, yeah. it's not starvation by any means. Um, but you're compressing it into that short space of time. So, yeah, it really does work quite well. Definitely helps quite a lot. So, yeah, bro. The six-pack is back thanks to Kieran Lefebvre. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Uh, show me later. I will. I'll show you right <laughs> now. Yeah. Get around it. Um, stand by, guys. It'll be on my Instagram soon. Um, so tell us, we, we want to talk about uh, those sort of three different realms of eating. So we're talking weight loss, weight gain, and then performance. And I guess for people listening, they generally fall into one of those camps. I would think the majority of people I speak to, you know, who come through our gym are like, I'd like to get rid of a little bit of weight, right? Carrying a little bit too much body fat or more than they would like to carry and want to get rid of some. So I think that that's really the, the main, that's where the most amount of people are going to be like, okay, cool, talk to me. Um, I think for, for males, it's, it's more common to be like, I want to put on some, put on some mass. And yeah, usually 100%. it's like, I want to put on some muscle, yep. right? Um, and maybe there's a corresponding, I'd like to put on some muscle, but burn some fat, right? So yeah. it's a bit of a middle ground. And then I suppose the, the, the athletic performance thing is probably, you know, less, um, speaking less to our people, but I think it's important for, to kind of cover that just to give people a bit of context, right? Yeah, hundred percent. That that's, I, th- I think you summarize it really well. I suppose I personally, in my mind, I break it down into, into four sort of categories and subcategories. The, the first, as you mentioned, is is weight loss. And that's where I see, you know, the vast majority of my clients, about 60% of my clients uh, come from that space. They want to they lose a bit of weight, which, you know, respectable goal, right? Um, the second one, uh, as you mentioned there, is, is muscle gain or just weight gain in general. You know, that's your, I suppose, stereotypical um, lad, you know, just started lifting six to 12 months in the journey, wants to break that, you know, 80 kilo barrier or whatever, you know, whatever goal they've, you know, got stuck in their mind. Um, And then the third is one that you mentioned that is actually quite difficult to pull off successfully. And that's body recomposition. That's the concept of losing body fat 
whilst maintaining or gaining muscle mass. And that's definitely what we're, when we're talking about body recomp, we're talking mostly about bodybuilding space or really just aesthetics. Talking about someone that wants to look good rather than uh, feel or perform well. And then the fourth one, sports performance, athletic performance. And that's a different kettle, kettle of fish altogether. It has the same sort of principles, but um, yeah, it's quite different in, in the approach. <coughs> so I suppose... Can I just ask on that? Yeah. Um, before you dive in, people would, I, I'm guessing for, for a lot of folks listening, it's like, yeah, but if you like, isn't the picture of health like lean, muscular, like for a guy, like six pack, whatever, are you, you know, and, that, and then you say, take a sport like bodybuilding or mm. figure competitions or whatever, where it's supposed to be like the presentation of uh, that. Yes. And then, but then what you're saying is like, well, that, but then like eating for performance is like a different thing. You're like, but wouldn't that, shouldn't that be the best performance when it looks like? It looks like performance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's quite a, a spicy one. So yeah, from an outsider looking in, sorry, Paul. Can I just say, um, when we're talking performance, mm. are we talking bodybuilding performance? Is that a no, generalization? Are oh, you talking about athletic, a rugby, athletic a rugby player rugby or anything? Player, okay, yeah, okay, soccer sure. player, cool. jiu-jitsu player, you know, along those lines or like even endurance sports. And there's a spectrum within that. Obviously, oh, 100%. Like, you know. Yeah, and then there's subcategories within subcategories. It sure. breaks down. It gets really nuanced. Okay, um, sorry to disturb. I just thought, are we talking about... Yeah, yeah. no, it's a good clarification. Um, but to the, to the point of from an outsider looking in at bodybuilding particularly the amateur scene, they do look like the epitome of health. Um, but it's not always the case. You, For that short period of time, you, you, all you're seeing is a snapshot in time. A lot of these people, you know, they're not walking around looking like that from a day to day. I'm not saying that they're, you know, looking completely different, but you've got to remember in context, it's you're getting your body to a state for that one hour while you're on stage. And, and that's that's it. So what, what happens without delving too much into the, I suppose, the science behind it. But what happens when you do diet yourself down so hard to get on stage for athletic performance is your body goes through a bit of a topsy-turvy with your hormones, you know, your, your, um, your ghrelin, your leptin, or your hormones that regulate your metabolic processes get thrown out of whack. And the problem is when you do that for a long time and you go deep into the rabbit hole, uh, those changes can last a while. And I'm just talking from personal experience. I dieted down and stayed there for probably a little bit too long. And the recovery phase for my hormones to start regulating correctly was about 12 months. So wow, wow. it doesn't really lean itself toward athletic performance. It just looks like it. Or it's health. Or health. Yeah, I suppose that's probably a more accurate way to say it. How, how long did you spend in the upside down world? Uh, so I um, I probably spent, I think, including my prep for the first show and then the subsequent back-to-back -back shows after that. It was about eight months in total. So just shy of 12 months, like really taking nutrition seriously in, or not even seriously, I'd say just like robotically. Um, everything was calculated to the gram. Everything was very meticulous, which did give me a lot of good tools. But when, you know, when you're inexperienced with nutrition and that's all you know, it can start to dip into some, you know, muddy waters, I suppose. And yeah, my hormone levels de definitely did get uh, a bit out of whack. Like my testosterone did drop quite a bit and, and yeah, a couple other things. But, but back to the point is that's got nothing to do with, uh, I suppose, uh, just your, your general person wanting to, to lose weight. 
Um, so for, for those clients, for someone that comes to me and they say, hey, Kieran, you know, my goal is to drop 15 kilos. I want to do it over X amount of time and I want to do it, you know, approximately half a kilo to a kilo a week. Um, and say maybe they're in the- in is, that, the is that a moderate expectation? That you th- could- that's, yeah, I mean, that's an ambitious goal. That's definitely someone that needs to be um, pretty accountable to, to themselves and stay on track. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, depending on the, the body composition, depending on the individual, but that, that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Okay. Uh, to lose about half a kilo a week, yep. it's definitely fine. Um, particularly if you've got a fair bit to lose, right? If you're in the, I mean, maybe obese or, or overweight category, that, that can be- you know, definitely achievable goal. So say someone comes and, to And me. so you're saying 15 kilos, half kilo a week, 30 weeks. Mm. It's, you know, it's a decent chunk. It's yeah. like two thirds of a year. Yeah, it's steady. It's it's pretty oh, steady progress. Maybe maybe toward the end, you might slow down a little bit, which okay. is to be expected. Yep. Uh, but there's ways around that. We can, you know, tweak things here and there. But say I'm dealing with a client that, you know, comes to me, they want to lose, they want to lose a bit of weight. So if they want to do it um, just utilizing, I mean, exercise and, and they don't really take nutrition into account, that's not really my specialty, but you know, you're more than, more than happy to do that. But if you really want to, I suppose, catalyze the process and make it, make it a bit more uh, efficient then utilizing some sort of nutrition strategy, whether it be a, you know, nutrition plan, because I, I hate the word diet. I just avoid that. If it's something like a nutrition plan or, uh, you know, healthy eating strategies, it would definitely assist in, in speeding up that, that weight loss. So I suppose I'll, if, if you guys want, I can talk about the process of what I do on the back end, how I would, you know, figure that out, calculate what to do with that person. Yeah, that'd be mad. You don't have to give away all your secrets. <laughs> it's, it's not really <laughs> secrets, but um, I'm, I'm more than happy to go into it. So, well, I'll pr- And I'll probably stop you just to get some definitions on yeah, 100%. when it gets a bit sciencey, just so folks can make sure, that, make sure they're following. Yeah, for sure. So the first thing I, I do is, you know, similar to a, a standard PT questionnaire and waiver, you know, someone fills out, whole bunch of questions. So I get all their, their body stats, everything that they can give me. And then their experience, do they have any allergies? Do they have any, you know, underlying conditions? Basically I'm going through an elimination period of what I'm not qualified to, to deal with. Um, once everyone passes, you know, all those boxes are checked, then I, I grab their numbers and I, I basically put their numbers into some form of TDEE calculator. So TDEE is total daily energy expenditure. That's the baseline. That's a bedrock that everything is built upon. That's where I, that's where all the magic happens, if you will. So if, if you want, I can get into a little bit more in depth of what TDEE actually is. So your total daily energy energy expenditure, as the name implies, is the amount of energy that you burn in a day, that you that your body utilizes just to function in a day. So it's made up of four sub subcategories. The first one, which is the largest of the four, is your BMR. A lot of people probably heard of this before, basal metabolic rate. It's the easiest way to explain it for those that don't know is if you were to lay in bed and you didn't move, that's the amount of calories that you would burn. So you, you, and you were alive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is quite a lot for, for it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's all of yeah. these processes of you being alive. Yeah. hundred percent. Which I think for the untrained person, they're like, well, you know, that couldn't be much, but what is it like? 60 to 70%. Okay. Of, yeah. Of your TDE. Yeah. Of your, t- okay. of your total uh, daily energy. That's energy. very interesting, isn't it? To oh, think yeah. about like just your breathing and your fucking hormone system and yeah. immunity and all of that. Yeah. Costs your, energy your brain, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think out, out of that, your brain takes up about 20% of those calories. Wow. So your, your body is constantly burning calories, even as we're talking right now. Um, taking not into account our moving and the actual talking. Where I can feel it. Yeah. 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 You feel the burn. Yeah. <laughs> You've just justified people who just wear fitness clothes as a daily. 100%. Yeah. But aren't yeah. working out. Yeah. <laughs> They're working out, man. Yeah. yeah. The cows here at the cafe. I'm happy to talk. I'll burn more cows when I talk. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, that's the first 
category of your TDE is your your BMR. That's a big one. Uh, so the second is is probably the the next largest from um, from memory is your um, NEAT your um, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Now don't let the sort of sciencey terms confuse you. Basically, it's just all of your moving around. So talking, f- even fidgeting, like, you know, fidgeting your fingers, moving your legs. Linking and shit. Linking, yeah, just moving around, gesticulating with your hands, all of, all of that good gear. That's all neat. And, and of course, walking as well. The whole, like, uh, movement behind people getting the 10,000 steps in a day is to increase your neat. And funnily enough it's the second most amount of calories as part of your TDEE, second to BMR. So it's like movement that isn't exercise. Exactly. All movement, all, all yeah, yeah, exactly. Your next is your, um, so your thermic effect from food or TEF. So this is your, your body, when, it, when you eat food, you digest it, right? Everyone, everyone understands that concept, but it requires energy to break down that food to get access to the energy. So you're burning energy to digest food. Now, out of the, the three macronutrients of protein, carbohydrate, and fat, protein takes up the, the largest amount of thermic effect from food. It requires the most amount of calories to digest. Um, but compared to the other two, it's not, you know, it's it's not something that you, you know, you shouldn't just eat protein to get more tea. It's not that significant. No, no, it's it's that's a rabbit hole you can get into. So I just want to clarify that one. Don't don't get into that rabbit hole. So that's your, you know, that's the TEF and that's the third of the four. And the last one is your EAT, E-A-T, um, which is your exercise activity thermogenesis. And depending on the individual, this can actually be the the lowest out of the four. So yeah, this 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 one can can be pretty uh, variable. Now, when it comes to dealing with athletes, this one can be quite substantial and significant. But when it comes to you know a sedentary person, obviously it's going to be pretty minimal. When you're saying an athlete, you're talking about someone that's a professional, as in they train you know every day multiple times, or you're talking like someone who trains most evenings during the week oh, after work. Definitely the latter. So if, if you're someone that trains most evenings, then you have your your EAT will be enough potentially to put you in into that calorie deficit. But boom. Okay. Yeah, cool. but boom. So it and again it depends on how many calories you're consuming. But when it comes to, you know, losing weight, all you need to be is this is a good segue, I suppose. When it comes to losing weight, all you need to be is in a calorie deficit. Right, so calorie deficit, meaning mm. you are eating less than, your than what your TDE. 100%. So that's why we start with that baseline. What and is, um, just, to, just to clear up, you don't have to tell us the exact scientific definition, but what, what's a calorie? What's a calorie? So, Because yeah. uh, we, we actually use kilojoules in Australia, right? Yeah, so a kilojoules is uh, approximately like 4.18 grams of calorie. It's basically, um, it's energy, right? It's, it's, a, it's a unit of energy. So if... We use kilojoules. We understand kilojoules. I suppose it makes a lot more sense to use kilojoules. No one uses it. Everyone no uses one, calories, right? The reason being all of that, most of our food on like on, on packages, it comes from the States. They use calorie or kilocalorie. So yeah. we, we, we tend to lean toward that. But if, if we use kilojoules to try and explain a calorie, it would probably make more sense. So a kilojoule is like 4.18 um, of a calorie. So it's the amount of energy within it's, a unit. Right, like right, it's four point one eight. Yes, and I think of that. Um, right, so one calorie equals four point one eight kilojoules. Yeah, it's like the amount of energy required to heat a certain volume of water by one degree. Yeah, I think it's a centimeter cube. Yes, that's it. A centimeter cu- cubed by by one degree is is a calorie. So it's a unit of energy. That's, okay, that's all it is. 
So, okay, cool. So the calorie is like the most, or calorie or kilojoule, but for the sake of this conversation, we stick with calorie. It's mm. also easy because it's a smaller number, isn't it? So you yeah. throw it around <laughs> less thousands yeah, and more yeah, hundreds. Yeah, hundred percent. But it, um, it is a very simple measurement of the energy content of a food. It, exactly. That's right. that's it in a very succinct way of putting okay, it. Cool. Yeah. Or energy content. It's, yeah, yeah it's of the energy. food or of your output. Yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. So, so calorie deficit. So really explain this on simple terms mm. is eating less than you're outputting. Yeah, eating less than, you know, than you're burning. That's it. Okay, so um, what sort of uh, what sort of calories did you have me on? 2,400? Yeah, I believe it was 2,400. And we were going with a, with a fairly modest around, I, I think from the top of my head, it was around a four, four to 500. I think we ended up going the 400 calorie deficit. Okay. Or even, actually, it probably was about 500, 500 calorie deficit. And that was, that was utilizing pretty modest... Um, conservative numbers because we wanted to get the results. So, uh, you know, every every day that would have fluctuated, but you would have averaged out to be at about 500 calorie deficit per day. So based on that, my total daily energy expenditure was on average around 2,900. It's just shy of 3,000. So yeah. I'm eating 2,400 each day, which yep. just means there's just that slight deficit there that is allowing me to be in a place where I'm losing weight, yep. losing body fat. Yeah, yeah, losing well, we'll just say losing, losing weight, losing weight in general. Yeah, so we can't. In in your case, I I can't guarantee that we didn't lose any muscle because we didn't do. I told you I want to keep any, all the muscle. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't do any um, in body scans or anything like that. But it's true. So but it's but with the you, you wouldn't have lost much. I look bigger. That's the main yeah, thing. Yeah, you definitely look more. <laughs> the juicy. definition has gone up a lot more juicy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that but you know because I, I think like. Calorie deficit that it gets thrown around in fitness a lot, and we yeah. say. It. But I think for a lot of people, they hear it, they're like, "What does that actually what does that, mean? What does that mean to me? Yeah. What, yeah. What's where does the you know rubber meet the road, so to speak? Okay. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, now tell me this, and I know that this is a tricky one, but when we're talking about foods, um, mm. obviously calories that come from one food, that there's calories in chocolate. Yep. There's calories in spinach. Yep. <laughs> now, obviously, chocolate is higher in carb, higher in sugar, higher in fat. Yeah. So it is higher in calories. Mm. But let's say, you know, how do you, based on that discussion of energy in, energy out, how do you reconcile um, calorie as a calorie? Yeah. So this is this is a really really good point. And as an analogy, if if you were or so if you were getting ready for a bodybuilding competition. And you built up to a, a good volume of muscle mass. So you're happy with your muscle mass on your frame. All you wanted to do was to cut body fat percentage. In theory, you can achieve that by just eating McDonald's. So that that lends to the whole point that we were talking about before, where just because you may look like a bodybuilder doesn't mean that you're actually healthy, right? So not all calories are created equally is a good phrase that I like to throw around to sort of explain this. So... If you are eating foods that, you know, like just smashing chocolate, Ben and Jerry's, you know, going to- I Peanut m and Yeah, all, all of that, all of that goodness. Um, you, you can, in theory, you can lose weight. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to feel like shit and your body is going to hate you for it. So when, we, when we're saying, you know, not all calories are created equally, obviously food is more than just energy, Right. When, when you're eating food, yeah, it's energy to fuel your body, but we're also talking about nutrients, vitamins, minerals that accompany that food. That's why it's really important, particularly for um, people that are interested in longevity, health, and, and performance. It's, it's important to eat a wide variety of foods because you're going to get a wide variety of nutrients that accompany the calories. 
Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So then when you're preparing, say, a plan, mm. you're looking at the energy piece, but then you're also looking at the food choices piece. Yeah, 100%. Which, which for me, obviously, you're like 2,400 cows, yep. but also here's the meals I want you to be eating, and yeah. these are the foods, and there's like all the healthy foods, fuckload of vegetables. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's the goal. Another reason which you sort of just touched on, but I want to expand is the reason that I always include a lot of uh, like lower calorie foods is to increase volume and fiber. So fuck a lot of vegetables, you're going to increase the volume, particularly when you're in a deficit, it's going to keep you full for longer. It's going to satiate you and uh, protein will actually do that as well. So yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Like, so to, to, to paint that like a practical picture for, for people, Fuck, I had a hard time getting that one out. Um, <laughs> you could have, like, you could eat, uh, I don't know, you could have a piece of toast with, like, avocado and fucking ham and cheese on it. Mm. Or you could have this enormous bowl of salad. Huge salad, yeah. With leafy stuff and yeah. vegetables chopped up, and then you could have olives through it and maybe a little bit of cheese and then some chicken or something like that. And this huge bowl of salad perhaps has less calories than that piece of toast with a couple of things on it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Simply, but it has more bulk. Yeah, yeah, and so volume. It's voluminous. Voluminous. Yeah. My mum used to like the word, what did my mum say all the time? Um, roughage. My mum <laughs> mom always used to say <laughs> roughage. A good one. You need to eat more, it's more, it's good roughage. It sound like a rabbit. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, but that makes sense. And so yeah. that fills up your stomach, yeah. takes up a lot of room, once it all breaks down, there's not actually as much going on. Yeah, 100%. But it serves that purpose of you're like, wow, I'm having this big thing and I feel really satisfied. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in a deficit, it's really important to pay attention to your fiber content uh, and the volume of food. Because if you're feeling hungry all the time, it's probably because you're picking calorie-dense foods that you enjoy uh, that you probably should be going more voluminous foods. But th there is a flip side to this. What if you're the person that wants to put on weight? And if you're trying to select quote unquote healthy foods and you're going for these voluminous foods, it's going to be a lot of calories to get down uh, because some people out there that are trying to lose weight, they, they may think, you know, they may not um, believe this, but some people do struggle trying to get in the calories. So they have the inverse problem. And I work with those guys as well, guys and girls as well, um, generally guys. Um, and yeah, so for, for that approach, you want to take the opposite. You want to select calorie dense foods. You want to be selecting, uh, you know, the the nut butters and the avocado and and the the olive oils and things like that to increase the amount of calories you're eating. Yeah, it makes sense. So, like, so it's say just going back for a sec for the person mm. who wants to lose weight. Yeah, uh, they got this big fucking salad thing. Yep. Or they got like a cheeseburger and a small coke and a small fries at yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. Um, that cheeseburger, small fries, small coke packs a shitload of calories, right? Yeah. Now, what is the what's the what's the issue there? Like in terms of someone eating that, like I'm trying mm. to lose weight, but I just I just have I got small. I normally mm. order large. Yeah. Goes, how is it that that food can pack so much energy in in this small space? It's generally because of the fat content. Like fat one one gram of fat equals nine calories, which compared with carbohydrate and protein, one gram of carbs and protein equals four calories. So when you're eating something- It's over double. Yeah, it's over double. So fat is by far the most calorically dense of the, the three macronutrients. So when when you're eating something like Macca's or, or chocolate, without getting into, you know, the the reward system, like getting into the science of, you know, that, that combination of fat and sugar 
tastes uh, so good. Yeah, it tastes so good. And your body like responds to it with a dopamine hit. Feels so good. Oh yeah, it feels real good until like 20 minutes after. But um, without without getting into all of that nitty gritty, um, in a nutshell, you, you're eating a very calorically dense food. And the reason that you're, you're putting on weight with it is obviously it's more calories than, than the salad and you're going to feel hungry after it because it's not taking up a lot of space in, in your body. And you'll feel hungry because your body will digest it quickly? Yeah, your body- Because it's like soft- Soft food, like it doesn't provide a lot. There's not much fiber there. Yeah, and you're also you're also getting um, almost like a craving, like a because you just got a dopamine hit, right? You say, for example, you eat a chocolate bar. In, in the in like if we if we take back to evolution in in the wild, if you will, when a human came across something like honey that and they ate that honey, that's very rare. So their their body has built in reward mechanisms to reward them for finding the honey and smashing down a whole shitload of simple sugars. But these days, simple sugars are everywhere. They're so abundant that it's it's not a rarity anymore. So that built in, I suppose, evolutionary um, mechanism doesn't serve us, but we still get the trickle down effect of the dopamine hit for consuming those foods. So that that's a big problem. And, and that's another reason why when you eat something like chocolate, all you want, it's more bloody chocolate. Like, or at least I do. <laughs> yeah. Your physiology is geared towards have more 100%. of that. 100%. Yeah. So like sugar cravings are a real thing. Like it's not that you're, you know, you're weak and you don't have self-control or whatever. It's, it's a legitimate thing. The strategy is to get around it, but it's, you know, you need to be acknowledged, I suppose, and, and um, you know, heard in that, in that sense. Yeah. Mm. All right, so take us to take us to the flip side, which is want to put on weight. Okay, sick. So if you want to, if you want to, yeah, let's talk about yeah. muscle. Yeah. <laughs> sick. Check, check the timeline because you'll have to mark that in the show notes. Yeah. When do they get the lean muscle mass section? <laughs> put in the timestamp. The timestamp. Yeah. You know, when do I bulk? <laughs> ah, shit, bulking for stereo. Okay, so <laughs> so when it comes to putting on, uh, you can tell like the, the I suppose the tone shift because. Not many people um, are really wanting to bulk. It's it's more so. Look, the stereotypical client here is you know, like I mentioned, your seventy kilo dude wants to put on ten kegs of uh, muscle mass and just started lifting weights. So in, in this case, we're looking for not only a calorie surplus, but we want to make sure that we have enough protein. So in the in the whole the the weight loss um, moment when we're speaking about that, I didn't really mention macros. It's important, but not the the main star of the show. Give us a little breakdown of the macro piece. Yeah. So okay. So we got the the four macronutrients. Um, you you have your protein, carbohydrate, fat, and technically alcohol. So already mentioned the the carb uh, the calorie breakdown of the other the other three, and and alcohol. Funnily enough, uh, one gram equals seven calories. Mm. Um, so alcohol has calories. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but when it comes to macronutrients, depending on the goal of the individual, we have a different macro split. And I suppose if you take calories aside, that's the biggest difference between eating for weight loss, eating for um, weight gain, eating for body recomp and eating for athletic performance is the different percentage of your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure that you break into the, the three macronutrients. So each goal will have a corresponding macro breakdown for them. Uh, so when it comes to putting on um, muscle, when it comes to putting on just weight, 
we're looking at being in a calorie surplus. So anywhere from, I mean, you can go into a crazy calorie surplus if people want it, but the problem is if you go too fast, then you'll probably just put on too much fat too quickly. You won't give your body enough time to really grow the muscle that you're after. So I'd probably recommend anywhere from 250 to 500 calorie surplus for bulking. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you calculate your TDEE and then you add about 500 calories on top of that and that's the amount of calories you need to hit. Okay, so you know if we're looking at the, the two examples, then if uh, let's just take a hypothetical guy. Let's say his name's Joe. <laughs> let's say maybe he wasn't that big growing up. You know, got into weightlifting a few years ago. Wouldn't <laughs> mind getting a bit bigger. Yeah. Right. What are we gonna do with Joe? <laughs> <laughs> but want to lose weight, like like a five hundred calories less yep. in TDE. Wanting to gain weight, five hundred calories more. Really good ballpark figures. Yeah. Okay. So you eat five hundred calories more. Now, if you really want to get into it and you want to, okay, what does this look like? Let's formulate out a plan. Then we look at macronutrients. So when we take our macronutrients for for protein, that is the first macro we address. Protein is always first. And I generally, once I've set the protein, I leave it. I don't manipulate it uh, for, for someone's uh, nutrition plan. I'll, if I need to change anything, I'll change the other two, carbohydrate and fats, before I'll touch protein. So with protein, the ISSN for athletes and for... Um, ISSN? Sorry, the International Society of Sports Nutrition, um, they recommend about two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. The actual window that they give is anywhere from uh, one, 1.5 grams all the way up into some, in, in some research suggests that 3.2 grams is, is ideal, which is a lot of protein. It's a lot of pro Yeah, 3.2 grams for fat-free mass. So it's, it's not quite three grams per body weight, but it's, it's getting up there. But okay. So two grams is a nice, easy number to work with. Absolutely. So you for can't an, really go wrong with it. For an 80 kilogram person, 160. you're talking about 160 grams of protein yeah. per day. Which for a general, for generally speaking, you're looking at just shy of 30% of your total calories coming from protein, which, which is about right. Okay. Can you give people a, a little, uh, an image of what, um, like how many uh, grams of protein are in a steak, say, just so they can... Yeah, okay. So let's take 100 grams of steak. Mm. Um, rump steak, 100 grams uh, will be about 32-ish grams of protein. 100 grams is probably about, it's not a lot. No. It's like the size no. of your palm. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe a centimetre thick steak. Like yep. it's probably, what would the average serve be? For someone that's oh, eating two, two, 200, 200 grams, 200, yeah. Two, two, yeah. Yeah, 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 even 250. Like if you went to a restaurant, you, a small steak would probably be about 200 grams. So that might be 60 to 70 grams of protein yeah. in that one thing. Yep. And for someone like Joe, say at 85 yeah. kilos, that's less than half of what he needs in the whole day. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, yeah. What about, uh, what about say, eggs? <laughs> I was surprised to find that eggs are not actually that protein dense. Yeah, they're not protein dense, but the protein that is in them is very uh, bioavailable. Right. So, and it has a very good essential amino acid profile. So eggs are actually a really good source of protein. Um, but you're you're getting a lot of fat accompanying those eggs, obviously. Particularly if you're eating whole eggs, which the yolk is mostly fat, and that's sort of why people sometimes just eat the egg white. But I recommend eating the whole egg. I was doing three whole eggs plus two egg whites. That's a really good combo. Yeah. Yeah, it felt good. Yeah. That's what do you do with those two yolks? Yolks. Those Give them to the dogs. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Ivo and Jazz love them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I didn't have, I, if I didn't have dogs, I probably wouldn't do that because it feels incredibly wasteful. Yeah, you can buy egg white in a carton, and that's what I was doing when I was bodybuilding. Because uh, I had similar sort of one of my meals was very similar uh, for a period of time. There It was like yeah, about three eggs for whole eggs and some egg white on top. Um, but 
Yeah. So that that's protein. Once we've addressed protein, the next macronutrient we we tackle is fat. Just on that, why why is protein so important? So protein is essential for your muscle growth. If and there's actually some research to suggest that it's the most important macronutrient for when you're cutting as well because it maintains your muscle. Um, but to the bulking phase, what what is someone wanting to do? They're wanting to put on weight, right? Most of the time, really what they're saying is they want to put on muscle, but the, the number on the scales is they've got it in their head that it's important to them. So they want to put on weight. When, when we're putting on weight, we want to make sure that we're giving our body enough protein to support the growth of muscle. So you put on more weight, you can move more weight, therefore you can create more hypertrophy, more muscle growth. We need the essential amino acids to support that muscle growth. So when your body consumes protein, it breaks down that protein and a whole bunch of enzymes get released in your digestive system and it breaks down the protein into the substrates of amino acids. These amino acids are what makes up protein. So they, they um, form together in long chains and they make protein that then our body uses to grow muscle. So that, that's it in a very simplistic nutshell. Okay, it makes sense. Mm. So that's why I always start with protein. Start with that and then, and I cut you off then leading into fat. Yeah, 100%. So next we move into fat. With fat, again, the ISSN, the International Society of Sports Nutrition for Athletes recommends 30% of your calories to come from fat. Depending on who you talk to though and, and you know who you're looking into, uh, where you get your information from, you'll find this recommendation any, anywhere as low as 15% to as high as 40% unless you're getting into keto realm, which is a, a whole nother ball game. Is that recommendation for any one of the goals? Or for this goal specifically? So depending on the individual, for someone wanting to cut, sometimes I go, again, it depends on how much weight they have to lose, their, you know, their body composition. I sometimes go as high as 40% for those individuals. But a nice, if, if just, just to speak to as many people out there as I can, if you're just ballpark, going for a ballpark figure, 30% is a really good number to go with for your uh, fat consumption. So 30, the, the way you get that is to take 30% of your TDEE and divide by nine. That will get you uh, give you how many, cal- um, how many grams of fat you need per mm. day. Yeah, okay. Cool. So fats are fairly simple. Now we can get into what fats to choose, um, but so long as you're, again, I would recommend gearing more toward my recommendation for, for protein insofar as choosing a wide variety of fat sources. So you're looking at monounsaturated, polyunsaturated and saturated fats. So go, go toward a diverse array of fats and, and you'll be pretty safe with those. Did um, mono and polyunsaturated fats get a bad rap for a while? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I suppose each of the different fat sources have their time in the limelight for getting a bad rap. Even even as recent as like uh, saturated fat has, has gotten some bad uh, flack uh, fairly recently as well. So- yeah, when they're it, trying to tell me bacon and shit causes cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Fucks with that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this this came from a very significant and very large um, study that looked into heart health and fat consumption. And basically what they... This, this sort of accompanied the whole like vilifying meat. If you remember red meat got a really bad rap, it's essentially because of the, the content of saturated fat. So um, yeah, that was the, the World Health Organization funded um, epidemic um, ep- study that basically looked at uh, a series of uh, meta analysis, which is basically for those that don't know, it's just a, um, a review of multiple studies. And they found that s- animal products because of the saturated fat 
have a higher rate of heart disease and certain cancers. So, I mean, there was a correlation there. there how the, much of a correlation and yeah, how they're tested, like how those studies were conducted, is yes. the other is the other thing yeah. to look at. And I mean, there, there's been literally like three to four hour long podcasts on the Joe Rogan uh, experience about about. Yeah. And they got studies, nowhere. So they got absolutely nowhere. And there's, yeah, yeah, th- <laughs> that's definitely a rabbit hole. That's cool. And I mean, we don't need to go into that, right? Because I think it's it's cool that we are looking at it from more of a, a global perspective. Yeah, holistic. Of, yeah, what yeah. sort of calories do you want? And then people can slot their own food choices yeah, into 100%. that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that, that ties into, I suppose, like empowered choice. Like I'll point you in the right direction and um, give you my recommendation. But at the end of the day, it needs to be sustainable. Like it, it needs to be, you need to eat something that you enjoy. If you're trying to eat food you do not enjoy, like good luck to you. It's going to be very, very difficult. But once we've once we've got fat down pat and we've 30% of our calories are coming from fat more or less, and then the, the third and final macronutrient is carbohydrate. So this is pretty simple. All you do is subtract your protein um, calories and your fat calories from your TDEE and boom, you've got your carbs. What you're left over with. What you're left over with. And f- if we follow this process, if we go about two grams per kilogram of body weight, you go about 30% of your calories from fat, you're going to get approximately 50% from carbohydrate. Yeah, okay. Works out around that. Works out around 50%. And again, it depends on um, it depends on the individual, but yeah, 50% is the is a ballpark. Yeah, okay. And for athletic performance, funnily enough, that is one of the best splits you can go with. Is that right? Yeah. Now, so tell me on the – with that split – I think you said before the split changes yes. for someone looking to gain weight versus someone looking to lose body fat. How does the split change? So when it comes to, are we talking about losing weight or um, Let's say getting rid of body fat, cutting fat whilst maintaining your um, your muscle mass? We call that body recomposition. This one is super variable to the individual. Right. So th- this is if you if you look at a body recomp, highly recommend work, working with you know someone that has a bit of nutrition experience or professional uh, to to help you dial it in. Because it's very hard to... It's hard to get it right. Like get it's, rid of body fat, but keep all of the muscle it's, mass. It's the most challenging. Right. Out of, out of, when compared to just bulking or just cutting, what people understand is like bulking and, and shredding for seria, that sort of stuff. Uh, body recomp is, is the most difficult. And that's sort of where I spent most of my time trying to coach clients into is that body recomp phase. The reason it's so difficult is you have to imagine it's, you have competing forces here. Right, I said that if you, so long as you eat, you know, more calories than you're burning, you put on weight. But whatever that weight looks like, it's fat and muscle. If you're eating less than you're burning, you're going to lose weight. What does that weight look like? It's fat and muscle. Right. What we're trying to do with body recomp, we're trying to achieve both. We're trying to reduce fat whilst maintaining or increasing muscle. It depends on the individual where you're at with your training career. Uh, it depends on what approach you need to take and what sort of results that you're going to get. And this is definitely the the bodybuilder style approach. Bodybuilding, getting ready for a bodybuilding show is is essentially recomp and it's kind of like a race against the clock. How how uh, how much fat can you lose without trying to trying to maintain as much muscle as possible? And why are those like why is it so hard to do both at the same time? Well, it's competing forces. It's it's quite easy, well, I mean Theoretically, it's quite easy to put on weight because you just need to eat a lot of calories. And it's quite easy, theoretically, to lose weight. Or I should say simple, not easy, because you just need to eat less calories than you're burning. But when you're trying to do both competing forces at the same time, it 
your macronutrient split is essential to get correct. And that's why uh, pro- we, we start with protein because out of the three, that one is going to be very important to make sure we dial in your protein so that we're giving your body all of the amino acids to support your uh, muscle protein synthesis, your MPS, and sustaining your muscle throughout the cutting phase, throughout your fat loss. So, but for folks listening, like the wouldn't wouldn't they just wouldn't you just think that well, what if I just eat shitloads of protein, yeah, and very little other things, and I stay in a calorie deficit, but I make <laughs> sure I'm getting heaps of protein because that helps with muscle growth. Yeah, I can see where people would draw this conclusion. So, what other mechanisms are at play there? Is there something that that changes internally when you're when you are putting on weight versus? Uh, like when you're in a calorie surplus versus being in a deficit? So I think the reason that you can't just, well, carnivore dieters will disagree, but the reason that you shouldn't or probably shouldn't just eat a shitload of protein and, and go for gold is because if you are eating protein in isolation and you're not eating any fat or any any carbs, you'll probably die. Now, if you just ate protein, uh, you you're not getting any fat to support your hormones as well. So particularly when we are cutting, like I mentioned when I sort of was touching on about my bodybuilding experience, it threw my hormones out of whack. Um, That was because of the calorie deficit, but it's also because of the reduction of fat intake. So if you're not eating enough fat, you don't have enough fat to support your your hormones. And I mean, your, your cells are literally made of fat. They're made of lipids. So you need to make sure you're getting enough fat. But also- How much fat were you eating? Um, off the top of my head, I think I was definitely, I was on a high carbohydrate, low fat. So I think I was around 15, 10 to 15% fat. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, which really I'm guessing you probably didn't on the low side, yeah. have any fat source. Like it was probably just the fat from whatever protein you were yeah, eating. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a little bit of nut butter at the start, but fat was one of the first things we eliminated to reduce calories. So when you, again, I'm talking a lot about bodybuilding here, but when you're, when you're prepping for a show, you want to reduce your carbohydrate and your fat as well. And you, you, you do carb first and then fat as required. And that's just for that leanness. Yeah. To look tight, yeah. shredded. Yeah, the reduction in calories has to come from somewhere. So you, you don't touch protein, you, you do it with your, your carbs and your fats. But just to go back to the point of, you know, why you can't just eat protein, why you shouldn't just eat protein, you also need carbohydrate for energy as well. Unless you're going full keto and then you get your most of your energy from ketones, as in like, so for example, your brain, the, the most... Uh, the, the energy source that your brain likes the most is funnily enough ketones and, and that is basically the body's defense mechanism on how not to starve to death um, through creating some form of energy for your brain to operate. So say for example, you know, you're a hunter-gatherer, you haven't eaten for a few days, your body will start producing ketones to um, keep you moving, keep you alive. Right, because you don't have any sugar left. Yeah, you like don't have any glycogen. carbohydrate, 100%. So your, your glycogen stores have reduced. Um, but I mean, if you just eat protein and this is why the, the key, um, the carnivore dieters out there don't, you know, run out of, um, glycogen or run out of, you know, glucose is because of a process called gluconeogenesis where your protein is converted into uh, carbohydrate substrates of pyruvate and, um, it uses that pyruvate and lactate to then give you energy. So it feeds that into the metabolic cycle and then that's how you get energy. Right, so it works really hard to make sugar or a sugar-like substance yes. from the protein. Yeah, so when, when carbs are broken down, you get 
substrates out of that. And then those substrates are fed into your metabolic cycle to produce energy ATP. The same process can be done with protein. So through gluconeogenesis, you can create energy out of protein. But in excess protein, you can also create lipids out of protein. So Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I heard a, a funny analogy about it once. It was a it was a uh, bodybuilding I know he's, he was like a nutrition guy. He's a bit he works with bodybuilders and he specializes in working with um, uh, athletes who are juicing. Yeah, right. So he's he's, he's the guy when it, apparently when it comes to steroids. His name's Broderick Chavez. Okay. The evil genius. Don't know if you've heard of him. No. But um, he was saying he was he was on a rant. He was doing this presentation, but he was ranting about um, keto, and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, when you are dying and they take you to hospital, they don't plug fats into your bloodstream. Yeah. He's like, they plug sugar into your bloodstream because glucose is the absolute best fuel your body can get. Yeah. And I was just like, that's a really interesting point. Like yeah. the, the, this, 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 uh, this perspective that like, oh, it's bad for us to be fueled by carbohydrates. He's like, no, it, no. it, it couldn't be any, there couldn't be anything more natural actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, that doesn't speak to necessarily how people can play around with that, doing something that is very specialized like keto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna uh, respectfully bow out of of getting into the weeds with keto. Uh, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> that, that's that's opening such a can of worms there, and I've I've gotten in trouble on the internet in the past with, with those, <laughs> those arguments. So. Keto for folks who are listening is a diet that's really high in fat yeah. and moderately high in protein, is it not? Yeah, yeah. And it and it just it, it excludes carbohydrates, and they got some very strong views around mm. all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so in, in and a it's, nutshell, it's extreme, right? Yeah, it's it's very high um, fat, uh, moderate to low protein, and right. very very low very low uh, carbohydrate. So less than I believe twenty five grams or fifty grams total per day, or less than twenty five grams excluding fiber uh, for for carbohydrates. So that's that's the the golden standard, I believe. Um, I, I have tried it. Like I'm, I'm not gonna just shit on it without trying it. I, I have tried it, uh, but it's it's personally not for me. So I feel you. Yeah, I just bow out of that one. So, Paul, you got any questions? I was going to say, how long did you try that for? Uh, the keto? Yeah. Uh, about eight like, weeks. I, I know that depending on who you ask, you have to go through a keto adaptation phase. That's why I ask. Cause, yeah. You know, uh, okay. Yeah. And, and what is that phase? Generally? Again, Paul, it, yep. it's, it depends on like who, who you're following in, in that niche in that sphere and it, yep. everyone has a different opinion i've heard like you need six weeks i've heard people say you need like six months so sure yeah there there is some science behind the the keto adaptation where you can get to a state where your body is utilizing ketones effectively and you're using um carbohydrate as a fuel source effectively and you're sort of like a hybrid and i suppose um athletes like if you guys have heard of um, ben greenfield he talks about that sort of um, dual approach as well and the way he achieves that is no carbohydrate through the day and then a carbohydrate refeed each night for his athletes because you can't get into this state where you're producing the ketones if you have carbohydrates correct right? so you have yeah. to keep that down yeah so it turns okay. off it turns off the mechanism that creates ketones because it's our body's um i suppose defense mechanism for how we get energy in absence of carbohydrate so by, by combining the approach though, if you're uh, fat adapted, which basically means that you, you go into that um, mode of creating ketones uh, more quickly than someone that is not fat adapted, then you can effectively achieve both. But very similar to like recomp in the keto world, I suppose that is difficult to achieve unless of course you're having uh, endogenous ketones as in you're consuming like a ketone ester or a ketone salt supplement. Yeah. 
Like it sounds like fucking hard work. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so tell me on, on the sort of fad diet piece, and I think um, not fad diet, someone who chooses to go vegan or like extremely plant-based, Yeah. Um, based on what we've been talking about, what are the challenges they face? Because, I, you know, we mm. our perspective with nutrition here at, at JB's is like, man, eat like eat seasonal, choose whole foods wherever Perfect, possible. Yeah. Um, eat in a way that's right for you, like yeah. know how to cook food, yeah. but then also eat appropriately to what it is that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, we've got a lot of people that train in our gym who are vegan yeah. um, and people who are, you know, vegetarian and then everything in between. Um, but based on that, it's like, all right, there's obviously, there's benefits to eating meat in terms of getting protein. It's mm. a very easy place to get it. What are the challenges that someone who is choosing not to eat meat faces? It depends on what you're trying to achieve. So you can have an unhealthy vegan diet, just like you can have an unhealthy, so like standard omnivorous diet, diet. Omnivorous diet. Yeah, it's probably a better way to phrase it. So just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're healthy. But I suppose the challenges you would face uh, from my perspective is, particularly if you're in the game for athletic performance, is protein bioavailability. So if you if you literally just Google the... Um, you know, the highest essential amino acid profile in protein and the their protein bioavailability and protein digestibility uh, and, and look at a ranked list. I think the, the first um, non-animal-based uh, protein comes in like sixth or seventh in the list. So it's that that is for me in my perspective probably the biggest challenge is looking at protein and not only making sure we're getting enough because i mean yeah but particularly these days you can get enough protein you can tick the box but making sure that you're getting a, a wide variety of proteins and getting all of your essential amino acids in there as well so i think that's that's number one but that's why a lot of um, people that you know take their training very seriously and are vegan that will supplement and they'll take things like creatine to make sure you know they're getting enough creatine in their in their body in their diet if you will and uh, supplement with different um, plant-based protein sources like plant-based powders to make sure that is simply make to make sure that they're getting a uh, diverse profile of uh, amino acids what was that uh plant that came in six i believe it's legumes legumes okay the yeah. difference between legumes and pulses i have no idea it could be the same thing so legumes we're talking beans lentils yes yeah. that sort of thing yeah. yeah yeah and again they're not all created equally so <laughs> and i think chickpeas are on there as well quinoa quinoa is that up there um i think that's more carbohydrate okay yeah i do eat quinoa i love quinoa mm. yeah i've got to soak it though yeah right get a little mm. sprout going on yeah or not so much sprouting but just just a bit of a soak yeah okay a soak yeah well, I've, okay, I've never so really got into that whole sprouting scene. I mean, I've, I've read a little bit about <laughs> no, it. It's but huge. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, you don't want those phytates. Yeah. yeah. Killing you. Exactly. I'm, like, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the sprouting thing is never ending. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's really about like when you're choosing to go plant-based, acquiring protein is more challenging. It can be, yeah. But I mean, I've worked with uh, vegan uh, clients before in the past. Uh, I've worked with one one guy. He's, he's, he's a vegan and he's way more knowledgeable obviously than I am in uh, in what supplements to take and and the the I suppose vegan approach and for for him I simply uh, subscribe him macros and he formulates his own nutrition plan based on those macros and then I check in to make sure he's got enough nutrients these um, you know his protein is diverse enough and his fibers up there and you know he does great that's cool mm. so tell me for um, say for someone who is 
Well, either looking to gain weight or looking to lose weight. Mm. If they're if they're not eating adequate protein, so say they're just kind of eating whatever and they're and they're tending to eat high carbohydrate, high fat foods, mm. what happens to the body? So there? what can happen is you can go catabolic. So sure, you may be getting enough energy, but if you're not getting enough essential aminos, eventually you will start to lose muscle, unfortunately. Essential aminos, tell us what that is. Yeah, so you may have heard of branch chain amino acids or BCAAs. Um, essential aminos, there's there's nine essential aminos that your body needs. And the reason I brought up branch chain is because they're essentially, it's the same, we're talking about the same sort of thing, right? Right. So essential aminos, uh, there's nine that your body cannot get from food. So they're essential that you eat them. That's, right. that's how you sort of think about it. The non-essential amino acids are those that your body can produce endogenously with, within, you know, it, it can produce it within your body. So you don't need to be consuming them. So right. when I'm saying uh, it's important to get a diverse array of essential amino acids, it's because your body needs all nine of those to support your muscle production. Arguably leucine is the most important because it triggers your uh, MPS or your muscle protein synthesis. And I think we spoke about this offline before, Joey, is when you supplement with something like BCAAs, what can happen is your body will trigger the uh, MPS pathway, your muscle protein synthesis, but it will be in absence of the all complete nine essential aminos that it needs to finish that process. So that can sometimes be unfavorable. But if you have something like BCAAs accompanied with like whey protein or a complete protein source, then you're good to go. Okay. And so, and, and aminos, you're saying they are the building blocks of protein. Am I right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. So to kind of, just to, to summarize that, you're saying that um, animal protein, so animal flesh, yep. right? Chicken, beef, pork, fish, all these things that, that people commonly Dairy, eat. Yeah. Yep. Have all of the essential aminos and therefore, more complete, yeah, more complete uh, therefore profile. are very strong sources of protein. Correct, yes. Whereas when you go to plant sources, you don't necessarily get all of the essential aminos. Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah. Okay, so it just becomes more, that's where the combination of foods, mm. some supplementation, that's where that becomes more necessary. Exactly, exactly. Right. I think, um, do you know anyone that was converted to veganism after watching Game Changers? I do. I, um, I've got a funny story. Well, not funny because it, it's still kind of, doesn't make me mad, but... Um, when it, when the, when the movie came out, I, mean, I know it took, you know, a lot of, it took the world by storm. A lot of people got very passionate about it overnight, which I found interesting and coming from my position where I was doing a lot of research into nutrition well before the, uh, the, the film or doco, if you, if you would be so kind as to call it that, um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I was doing a lot of, you know, nutrition research and I was sitting down at, um, I think it was a birthday dinner or something, something along those lines. And there was this uh, one individual that was very adamantly informing me everything she knew about nutrition um, and telling me how by eating meat, I was going to get cancer and all the, all this good jazz. And um, I asked her, I was like listening politely and then I just said, oh, did you watch Game Changers? And then she just paused like a deer in headlights and said, yeah, but it's not just Game Changers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'll never forget it. It was hilarious. I was like, okay, this is, yep. And I just disengaged. <laughs> disengaged oh, this yeah. conversation the is Girlfriend over. was kicking me under the table like, don't say anything. <laughs> but no, no, um, I, I, I do and um, all, all power to you, but yeah, it's not for me personally, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the opinion I think from a lot of people who have, some knowledge or have a lot of knowledge in this area is that there was not a lot of credibility to that film. It was, yeah. it was all very flashy and it did. Mm. And I mean, I, you know, I think 
personally, like if you have a desire to eat a plant-based diet, then that's an awesome thing. I do yeah. think in many ways it's it's more sustainable for the planet. Mm. And I think that, you know, if that if that is better suited to you, then great. And if that film was the catalyst, great. Sure, yeah. But yeah. that film really in, in terms isolation, of, yeah. of yeah, what is a good documentary and what is not, it is most definitely not. If it, if it so if the film puts you down a pathway of researching nutrition for yourself and then it is like the catalyst that gets you excited about it and like passionate about it, then it's it's amazing. Yeah. And, I love it. But if if you just watch the film and then go to a dinner party and preach, then I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you came away from, you are like, eating meat is bad and yeah, it's going to exactly. kill me and I, st- I have to stop now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 You just, so long as you understand both sides and uh, you understand the facts um, or the, the, if you're up to date with the literature and it gets you excited about, you know, looking into the science, then, then great. But yeah, that's, that's my take. Any questions from you over there, Paulie? I didn't watch the movie. I tried to watch it twice oh, really yeah. hard. It's too loaded. Like I, when something, I can't watch a documentary, air quotes, Yeah. when it's that loaded for me. It yeah. was overproduced and it was Americanized for me. I just, I was like, I immediately didn't trust it because it was too sleek. Too polished. Too polished. I was yeah, like, okay. Right. Yeah, that was just from, from my, I couldn't watch it because of that. But I was aware, I, I came Everyone was talking about it for about four months before I was like, okay, I'll go and watch this thing. So <laughs> I was aware of the arguments on both sides and we, we had a, it was all happening in the conversations everywhere at times. So I was like, I don't think I need to watch it at this point. Yeah, you've gotten all the info <laughs> just from the combos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, legit. So then on, on that um, kind of final piece, and we don't, you don't have to go super deep on this, but what is the, for someone then that's looking to eat for performance, mm. what are the main considerations there? Yeah, so the main consideration when you're trying to eat for performance is trying to establish your a very strong TDEE. And I know I've, I've flogged this dead horse, but you want to figure out how many calories you need to eat to maintain. We're not interested in changing. This is Hypothetically, we're talking about an athlete that is at the body weight they need to be at to compete and they're just looking to improve their performance. So they need to make sure that they're eating the correct amount of calories now if they want to take their nutrition seriously then you look at your your macro profile you need to be eating the the two grams and as high as three in very specific circumstance but i'm just going to recommend two grams uh per kilogram of body weight uh for protein for protein yep Yep. for protein and for carbo for fats sorry uh 30 percent and for your your carbohydrate should be no less than 50 percent for athletic performance you really you you would make sure that you're at 50 percent plus for endurance athletes they can go as high as 70 percent carbohydrate uh and that's because of the glycolytic demand uh from endurance exercise I've got a question. Um, you spoke about the EAT. What does that stand for again? The Exercise uh, Activity Thermogenesis. Okay, so for performance, for an athlete who's training yeah. a lot, this is kind of more important. Mm. Although, as you said, it's the one that takes up the, or burns the less amount of calories. Yes, right? for um, most people. For most people. Yeah. So uh, when you have an athlete who's training, um, how is it that you uh, would work out how many calories you are burning in a particular workout, given that you have so many different types of working out, oh, yeah. endurance, yeah. lifting heavy weights. That one seems a lot harder to measure. How it's do, incredibly difficult. How do you go about that? So I would average it out. And it's, I, I take I take a very similar pro- approach for, for cutting as well. You would figure out what the volume, what the load is for a week. Because your body doesn't really understand what a 24-hour cycle is, apart from you know your sleeping cycles. It, your, what I'm trying to say is your your body can't tell the difference between 
uh, what you eat today versus tomorrow when it comes to a week time frame. So, so long as your calories are in a, uh, you're sustaining your calories, you're eating the required amount of calories over a week long period, you're good to go. It, it, mm. for, so from workout to workout, it's, it's less important. Now you can do something called carbohydrate cycling where you eat more carbohydrates on your higher demand days and less on the other days to balance out the week. I personally don't subscribe to that. I prefer to just keep things simple and eat a on, on average throughout the week, making sure you're eating the, the amount you need to sustain. How do you differentiate a high demand day? Um, you know, from an endurance runner to like, how do you measure that? Is do you use heart rate or is there ways in which um, you can, you know, basically put that on a scale and say this is a, is a or is it more like effort, a heavy lifting day, say people say, yeah. you know? Or yeah. So if, if, I mean, I suppose you guys would know more about this than I would. If you compare something like endurance work, but someone's very adapted to running, and then all of a sudden you take that same athlete and then you you get them to lift heavy compound uh, weights for, I suppose, an hour. Mm. That combined with their afterburn, they might get uh, they might be burning more calories, particularly if you know they're specifically adapted to 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 running. So for for me working with with athletes, I just average things average out. It out. I don't I don't worry about um, carbohydrate cycling that's not something that I I, I personally subscribe to sure. um, but so long as we have an understanding over a, a week period then we're good to go so in the nutrition world things work a little bit slower we don't work well me personally I don't work day to day I work in in week to month chunks because we need to to let someone's body adapt and I mean you may put someone's numbers for an athlete you may put someone's numbers into a TDEE you you know you tweak it as required you do all the calculations under the sun but then it just does not work for them I've worked with clients before uh, that are looking for performance um, i expected them to be burning about 3,000 calories and they're, they're more like 3,500 or, or, or greater uh, per day so it, it again it depends it depends on the individual so we we start with the baseline and then yep. we, we work yep. from there yeah it makes sense for normal people or yeah. and, and i look at myself as, as normal even though i train more than the average person yeah um to average it out over the day i guess the cycling and stuff i hear that for like um uh high level athletes like people mm. playing in the nba who are yeah. playing three games a week um and they have to be more mindful about heavy training sessions games recovery then there's a lift session that's at a high intensity so I, you know i guess it gets really technical when oh, you yeah. get to because for performance when it's like it's different for jujitsu yeah um because it's like fight day yeah as it is for like someone who's in a season it's different they're playing three games a week or an nrl it's player who just plays man. one game a week yeah and that's so um yeah it gets really technical on those on those levels hey yeah and then when it comes to like and that's when you get really into i suppose the the niches right yes, so it's yep. going to be it's going to be different like you said for someone playing nrl versus nfl versus jiu-jitsu and they're different uh they have different demands like if you're mm. if you're working with a power lifter you probably you know you're not really worried about having their carbohydrate too high um because you know they're not doing a lot of endurance work but if you're working with an endurance athlete you're gonna be looking at maybe up to 70 plus percent of carbohydrate and different carbohydrate sources as well so yeah, that's where it gets really nuanced. Particularly those um, that are interested in endurance, if you look up the ISSN position stand on carbohydrate for endurance athletes, it's a bit of a lengthy science read, but if, if you're into that space, it's it's a must if, you're, if you want to level up your nutrition. Definitely recommend that one. 
I probably won't read it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> nah, this podcast, I'll win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boil it down for me. <laughs> I heard a good... Um, I'll summarise it. A good a way it was framed to me uh, by that same Vela, Evil Genius, about uh, carbohydrate, like nutrient timing. Yeah. Whereas like, do you eat carbohydrates after training or before training or do you wait and you have them at night? Mm. He's like, it doesn't fucking matter. He yeah. said, your physiology doesn't know what time of the day it is. 100%. And yeah. he's like, if you look at... Um, like, yeah, you trained that day, but you also probably trained yesterday or the day before yesterday. Yeah. And you're probably going to train tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. So he's like, you are perpetually in a cycle of recovery and rebuild and recovery and rebuild. He's like, so you just eat, like you just get the nutrients in. 100% agree. Which I think really speaks to what you're saying where it's like, yeah. don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. Unless you are whatever, like you need these like little 2% things to like get the optimal result for a competition. And that's the difference. I'm not work I'm not working with, you know, Olympic athletes or or, you know, someone on Tour de France. And that's I think that's the those one percenters is is what really separates it at the upper, upper echelon. Mm. But for someone that considers himself, you know, an athlete or someone that's training, you know, as as regularly as you are, Paulie, if you are averaging it out, you're gonna get in that ballpark and that's good for to sure, go. For sure. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I'm I've recently been listening to this um basketball strength and conditioning uh, coach and he coaches a lot of people in the NBA and um, they were talking about this sort of stuff and it just didn't occur to me like because uh, you know here we play sport we do martial arts it's like rugby and ball sports like every weekend for a season yeah but those basketball players holy shit they They're um hard. they have to dial it in because they travel and they play three games a week at the highest levels it's so hard and then they have to maintain power and they're doing fucking heavy lifting sessions straight after a game so they have two days to recover for the next game which is three days later that's when it's like dialed in you know what i mean that's like pretty that, gnarly yeah just that high frequency of performance wow. there is, is tough um so like let's say i've listened to this episode i'm like okay yeah got it like i want to lose a bit of weight so i'm gonna just punch in my numbers and go 500 kilo 500 calories under um sweet got the protein thing dialed in yep you know what? I'm prepared to give this a good nudge. I'll go hard Monday to Friday and then weekends I'll do what I want. <laughs> Does that work? No. So there's, there's <laughs> oh, I love that leading question. I love Joe's questions <laughs> today. Yeah, he's like, the, he's the, like the, I'm the average guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if it was me? <laughs> yeah, the, the eyebrow raise at the end was great. Um, yeah. So there's a really, really yeah, nah. interesting. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nah. There's a really interesting infographic that talks about this perfectly. And it's, it's called the weekday dieter. And it shows in, I suppose, graph form what happens when you do that approach. So if you work your ass off through the week, day you you train hard your nutrition is 100% adherence you get to the weekend you're like I've earned this I'm just gonna fucking blow out I'm gonna eat in in surplus I'm gonna eat like 4,000 calories all of a sudden like we've said if you if you average out your week you're now in a calorie surplus you have blown out your entire week unfortunately because it can take one or one or two days of of going over yes to essentially add like a, an eighth or a ninth day's worth of food you're exactly, saying exactly exactly so now you're trying to compensate for an entire day worth of food for for the people that i coach the biggest one for this is alcohol and i i, I try and give like contextualize it for them if, particularly if someone's in a calorie surplus throughout the week and maybe they're feeling a little bit hungry maybe we're six weeks into the card or what have you and then all of a sudden i like they're they're just smashing beers on the weekend a, a six pack of beer is worth like a, a loaf of bread so imagine sitting down and eating a loaf of bread. Which would you rather do? 
I'm not saying you should, but I'm just saying, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just trying to paint the Six picture. Six beers is worth a loaf of bread. And yeah. I mean, man, I talk to, you know, I think for a lot of our people, like they probably don't get, they don't drink a huge amount of alcohol, yeah. but it's not uncommon at all. People even that come through this gym, you ask them how many drinks they, they go, oh, I'll go a couple of nights a week. How many drinks they have? And they're like 20. Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, oh, fuck, that's like that like, is a huge amount of energy. That's over a day of eating. That's, you, you're smashing it, you're going hard. That, so, so 20 drinks potentially could equal a whole day's worth oh, of easily. energy in Very easily. It's a, the same that we could talk about liquid calories mixed as well. drinks as well. Oh yeah, mixed Ooh, drinks. Yeah. You're going with like the Coke. Midori illusion. <laughs> I've no Get idea. Get a jug of that. <laughs> that, up, was yeah. like, that was like the new shit when we were 18. Oh yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit. If you were trying to talk to a that. table full of girls, you'd go with a jug of illusion. Ladies. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Yeah. I never bought one in my life. Um, but yeah, okay. So it is very easy to just undo everything. And I guess coupled yeah. with that- You're working so hard. Why would you, you know, why would you shit the bed? If you want to have something, right? If you want to, if you want to say you're, you really like ice cream, instead of going for Ben and Jerry's, go for Halo Top or something like that with lower, lower High calories. High protein, lower calorie yeah. one. Yeah. If you want a cheat meal, maybe have sushi instead of, you know, smashing burgers or whatever or- or, you know, and, and or go like go to grilled burgers. <laughs> Kieran for a cheap meal. Kieran goes to grilled. Oh yeah. yeah. After the last comp, I was like, bro, did you did you like go and eat? He's like, fuck yeah, man. I went and had burgers. I was like, where'd you go? He's like, I went to grilled. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, grilled are like the healthiest burgers you can get. It's like a sandwich. It's you get those discs. Yeah. yeah. What, what, yeah. <laughs> no, he's like, the he's like no, yeah. I, had the, I had the traditional bun and everything. Yeah, I'm man. like, yeah, wow. chippies. Like I had yeah. chips. I had a small I'm, chips. I'm like, wow, bro, what a blowout. But, like, <laughs> but going there versus going to McDonald's or yeah, going to KFC or going to like BL Burger or like one of these like yeah. big junky fucking high calorie but like it's yeah. it's two very different kettle of but fish even if it? you do look say if you do go to mac as you have a big mac so what like just have the big mac and 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 leave it and and you know don't count the calories on the rest of the weekend if you don't want to but just eat in moderation yeah. so long as your calories are, are under or you know within that same range you're good to go if you can have cheat meals if you account for them it's okay it's not a cheat meal it's a meal that you you want to enjoy right so long as you're not know throwing the baby out with the bathwater and just saying fuck it and go on a rampage i'm off the rails now you're off the rails and then yeah. you reel it in on monday morning because you feel really guilty that's a that's a perpetual cycle that's not healthy for you psychologically either how about, how about clearing up the other corner which is that i just smashed i did really well during the week yeah smashed a bunch of drinks yeah so i probably blew it out a little bit but i'll just go for a run the next day oh yeah <laughs> doesn't equal <laughs> does not equal yeah i'm back yeah. I got up and did push-ups <laughs> and sit-ups. Uh, yeah. yeah that's 20 that's drinks. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You'd have to probably run back-to-back marathons, but again, you don't want to punish yourself for the food. You'd, if you, if your Training doesn't actually account for that much. What's the same? Expenditure, does it? Yes. No, no, not at all. Like, like, it's way easier to drink the calories than it is to exercise them out. Oh yeah. It would take you an hour to drink, uh, exercise out like a beer. Like, or two beers. Wow. So it's like, what, 300, 300 calories in um, two beers? Right. Depending on the beer, obviously. Um, and, and what, in an average session, say you, you're going, you know, semi-hard, you maybe burn about 300 calories? Fuck, it's brutal. Bro, it's Friday today as well. And, you know, I'm probably going to have a beer today. <laughs> Friday, I'm, bitches. I'm like, not going to enjoy it so much tonight. <laughs> oh, I don't what? feel guilty, Paul. <laughs> I like Luke Tullock, who we had on the show a couple of times. Um, uh, very jacked, very lean individual. Uh, Science, you know, he's a scientist. He's, you know, this is what we're talking about today is his realm. But he, you know, he's like, I, every Friday I like to go and meet a mate and we get wings and beers at the Newtown Hotel. 
And that's his thing. Every yeah, Friday yeah, he sure. does that. But he makes room for it. In his macros. The whole week, he yep. makes sure he gets his like 20,000 steps a day. Yep. I think he's, whatever he's eating on a Friday is all geared towards giving him that space yeah. so he can have this blowout meal and a couple of beers. Yeah. And you know, he's probably not having 10 beers, right? He probably has two. You probably enjoy it more as well. You don't feel guilty about it. You know, you know you're avoiding all of that bad food relationship business yeah, totally. and you know you fucking enjoy yourself why not like do it if, you, if you're putting in the work you can definitely enjoy yourself yeah this is a, an interesting psychological part of this kind of whole discussion yeah i find with a lot of people like friends of mine who who just eat make pretty for pretty poor food choices all the time yeah like every day they go to the cafe every night they get uber eats you know, maybe they go home to their parents' house for a home-cooked meal once or twice a week, but essentially they're just eating fucking junk food all the time. But when I talk to them, I'm like, you know, and they, and they, and you know, whatever, I might be talking about how I'm fasting and how I'm eating, you know, like I'm eating food that is slightly less exciting every time, but it's clean and, and I feel rewarded by that. And they're like, oh, you know, like that fucking sucks though. But I'm like, man, I've done that. Like I've eaten out every night of the week and that's not fun either because you don't value it. It's just another takeaway meal. Yeah, and like, totally. I don't even give a fuck about this Thai food I'm about to eat because I had whatever Chinese yesterday and Mexican the day before that. <laughs> Whereas it's like yeah. if once a week, you know, or every now and again, you go out to a place, you're like, it's, it is, you value it much more, don't you? Totally. Oh, 100% agree. I 100% agree. So yeah, just speaking from, from personal experience, like I have cheat meals. I'm not like a fucking uh, super robot. I'm not like a... You know, I'm not sticking to, to this rigidly. I've got to count every fucking grain of rice and whatever. Uh, I mean, I have cheat meals, but when I do, I account for them. Have you had anything worse than grilled in the last three months? Anything more cheaty than that? Yes. Yes, Tell I Tell us have. about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is this one of those weird like things where I describe me eating food to you? That's yeah. like a, that's, that's a legit thing. I got into this, like, uh, it wasn't for that long, but when I was like deep in the hole of competing and bodybuilding, I used to watch YouTube videos of people eating and that's when you know you have a fucking problem. Man. Like, nah, none of that. So oh, I'm shit. getting these vibes from you, Joey. <laughs> a little bit of that to you there. D describe. Indulge um, me. No. So, uh, from time, like I, I allow Uber Eats once, once per week and, um, generally i i choose on, on one week and maybe my girlfriend chooses the other week and and i mean she likes burgers not a fan of grilled she's probably in your your camp thinks they're they're healthy so she wants to splurge and, and I, I mean sometimes she gets like fucking pizza or, or burgers or whatever and i go along for a ride not to not to rock the boat it's the end of the day you don't want to be you're trying to maintain a relationship as well you don't want to be like, no it doesn't fit my macros i need to eat this. pizza fucking sucks though it's hard to get the protein numbers with pizza oh I, I do not try and get the macros for for those types of meals you just get calories if you are ballpark calories you're good to go right. so if if i can if if i can ballpark my calories within about 10 10 to 15 percent i'm i'm happy so you prioritize the calories over the oh, macros yeah 100 you yeah. do not try and match macros when you're allowing for a cheat meal it will it'll break your brain <laughs> yeah right it's not worth it because you're always going to get way over fat and carbs so it's yeah it's not worth it unless you're picking sushi and you can control still pizza it's like pretty clean it's what not do you like, mean it's clean now? What is that clean? <laughs> I mean, you talk, you talk about, you know, Tiora going to fucking Messina. He'd eat, I don't know, three scoops in a thing and then he'd order the milkshake and then he'd have another two scoops and then he'd buy like a litre tub to take home to the family. But before he'd even made it back <laughs> to body, he'd eaten the Messina. whole litre in the car. Uh, like that's some fucking, you know, <laughs> I want to hear that shit. No, no, that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that ain't me, dog. <laughs> 
You Jeez. can tell when you look at the guy, he's in great shape. Oh, thanks, man. A puffy jacket on, though. Yeah, yeah. See that on. It's not even. That's a tight jacket. That's, that's the fucking. That's the striations. Yeah. Is this being filmed? Or? Um, man, look, that was that was immense. We'll wrap it there because we've gone ninety minutes, and I told you we'd be done by three. But I think we could very comfortably get you back on again to maybe we can talk more on the performance piece. And oh, I'd love to. The yeah, recon piece. I like go into the reads with that. But I think like from that chat today, some really good takeaways for folks regarding like, okay, if I'm looking to, let's just summarize that for them. So if I'm looking to lose weight, yeah, I want 500 calories under. About there, yep. Around, yep. give or take. I want two grams, like a, we, we could be anywhere from 1.4 to 3.2, but let's say two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Yep. And then I want to get 30% of my calories from fat. Yep. And then whatever's left over from my TDE is my carbohydrates. Bring it in. Um, and then for weight gain, it was really the same, but flipping and going into a 500 calorie surplus. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. No real change to the macros in that situation. No real change. You can push your fats a bit higher and, and that comes down to, to personal preference. You can you can jack up those fats to about 40% if you want to, but you, there's no need. But then you take from the carbohydrate, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're not trying to exceed that yes. limit. Yeah. What, um, and- Where's the sit? People can do this using my fitness. Like they don't need to know these numbers. They can just jump onto my fitness pal. Yep. They can, that can calculate their TDE for them. And then they can customize the percentages of the macronutrients within their company. Yes, they? you can. If you get the, the paid version of my fitness pal, you can change your macros. If you can't, you can only deal with calories. I'd recommend. Cal- nah, the free version, you can change macros. Oh, you can. But only by multiples of 10%. What? Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, you can manipulate it by ten by ten percent. Oh, there you go. Okay. Or no, sorry, by five percent increments. Oh, but you right. can't go in between. So, oh, okay, right. So you need to go to the whole five percent. Yeah. So then I would recommend. Um, I know because I've been on the free one for uh, years. <laughs> <laughs> Scrimping that freebie. Yeah. yeah. So I'd recommend jumping onto tdecalculator.net, punching in your numbers, getting out your your TDE, and going through you know writing out your 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 macros based on what we've spoken about and punching those macros into uh, my fitness power and, and going from there. Now, if you're, if you're just starting out, I'd say start with creating a nutrition plan as in calculate it out once and try eating very similar to that for about a week or so. Um, and then recalculate it for the next week. If you want to change things up, do it in week steps. The reason that I'm giving that advice rather than, and if it fits your macro style approach is because there's so much room for error with an uh, if it fits your macros, which I mean, that's a whole nother podcast in itself. So go with formulating a nutrition plan on a week to week basis or even three days or however many days you want to pick and go from there rather than going it on the fly with an if it fits your macros. But yeah, my fitness power is probably the best app there. Makes sense. Um, where can where can people get at you if they want to see what you're doing and, and maybe chat to you about a nutrition plan or yeah for sure so I'm I'm most active these days on Instagram so it's just my name at Kieran Lefebvre it's uh spelled how it sounds not really it's, <laughs> Lefebvre. <laughs> it's yeah Lefebvre it's L E F E V R E and um, I'm pretty active on YouTube these days so. Today, I actually just released a video all about nutrition for jiu-jitsu. For, so for all the jiu-jitsu players, uh, at uh, Kieran Lefebvre on my YouTube channel, uh, it's about a 20-minute guide to nutrition. I talk about a lot of concepts I mentioned here, but I, uh, yeah, summarize it all in 20 minutes. That's cool. Kieran's got an awesome YouTube channel. Uh, Kieran's a white belt. 
who's yeah. making waves. Four right? stripe, like four stripe, four stripe white belt. Right? He's <laughs> coming off that thing soon, but he's got a YouTube channel about jujitsu and his perspectives on it as a white belt. It's fucking awesome, that and it's actually sense. and you, you like like I said, you're really good with the camera, and you you you, you do good editing, so your videos are really engaging. But it's very cool to see someone who's so new to it still be able to talk about it in a way that is engaging for someone like me who's been doing it for a fucking long time. Yeah, most of my subscribers are like brown and black girls. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, guys. <laughs> oh, thanks for the love, fam. But yeah. That's cool, man. Um, any other things you want to plug before we wrap up? Um, so no, that that's in a, that's it in a nutshell. Um, I, I'm going to be doing a lot more work in the jujitsu specific nutrition space um, mm. over the next coming months. So if you're interested in that, uh, keep an eye out. But yeah, the YouTube is the go. All right. Fucking awesome. Man, thank you for coming on today. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Paulie. Good chat. Thanks, Paulie. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, thanks to Panavore. We we're drinking their coffee today. Didn't shout them out at the beginning. But uh, big love to those dudes. I tried a new, a new change to the Joey sandwich today. It was the meatloaf and the eggs. I'll tell you more about it next week. But just to let you know, there's variations on the Joey sandwich. So if you do find yourself at Panavore Cafe, ask him about the options that are available, not on the menu. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week.